Good afternoon. Today's WGO podcast. You know, it's funny. I'm reading or listening to rather uh, the book Zero to One about Peter Thiel. I think there's a collaborator on his collaborator on it as well, but I haven't memorized all the names of the writers. But Peter Thiel, Zero to One, and it the book focuses on startups and you know, being an entrepreneur and for people to create new technologies as a way out of the problems of the human condition. And it's interesting because it really parallels something else that resonated with me last weekend, which was, you know, Emerson's piece, Ralph Waldo Emerson, his piece, uh, The American Scholar, which was written, I believe, mid-1800s. Well, these books fundamentally, these two pieces of, of writing are basically saying the same thing. And in the case of Peter Thiel, zero to one, he's encouraging people to not rehash what's been done, to not make iterations on existing technologies. Like, he, like he's, for example, he cites China's plan. China has a 20-year-old plan. 20-year plan to basically be like the United States in every area of science and technology or beyond, you know. So they copy what we've done. And you can see it in the infrastructure and the way construction is done, the way buildings are created, the materials in the buildings, the design of the electrical grids, the, the train systems. I mean, not to say that they didn't develop any of this stuff natively. It's just basically reverse engineering what's already been done and then figure out a way to squeeze the cost out or uh, tweak the process or tweak the recipe, you know, but it, in essence, it's the same thing. And he's saying that the world that we've lived in, minus our IT component, our computers and internet and Wi-Fi and that sort of thing, cell phones, minus that, the world's basically the same. It's been kind of stagnant since the 60s. You know, this huge surge of scientific and technological breakthroughs, these huge engineering victories and then everything since then has kind of basically been building slight increments, incremental better, and, and incremental improvements or slight tweaks to the to the same recipe. And that that's not a that's not a winning strategy moving forward. That's not going to provide humans with the economic flexibility that we're going to need. And he's saying, like for example, if the hundreds of millions of households, Indian households in India tried to live the American standard as they actually want to do, it would just have disastrous consequences because everyone would be, try- would be trying to do it with the existing technology. So the existing energy generation, electricity generation technologies, the existing transport and internal combustion engines and such. You just, the way food is produced, you just, that, you take a environmentally sensitive period that we're in now, and you just exponentially uh, increase the problem. So for, for Peter Thiel and a lot of others, what continues to be the alternative to a dystopian nightmare of hell for everybody, an increasing bureaucracy and what we're seeing really here in the United States, just absolute dysfunction, can't get anything done, is technology. And that technology in the broadest sense, that is the scientific process and procedural, the algorithms, the new ways of doing things, the new engineering 
to will into existence things that have never been here before or new ways and new pathways forward. And that is what Emerson was saying with American Scholar. He's like, let's liberate ourselves from what's been done. Let's certainly not just regurgitate the works of the past, but in the thousand-eyed present, see what's going on now and be bold about what needs to be done now and quit trying to be such a conformist all the time. That's the easy thing. And that's what, it, you know, as suggested is, has been part of the human condition is this rehashing, this conformance, this petty bureaucracies that creep up. I call them vested interest groups now. You know, there's vested interest. They have an interest in keeping things the way they are, keeping their budget, keeping their jobs program, keeping their institution. And things really are not about, you know, being in the present and in a case, Emerson would phrase it as observations of nature and um, not, not wasting time reading the works of others, you know, before or, or when, when the time is to do your own work, you know, your own thinking, the own uh, efforts of pushing the boundaries. He's like, you shouldn't be sitting around reading about what other people have done all day. You should be doing it yourself, which is not easy. It's hard, and it, and it brooks, it, it uh, makes people mad. Usually, it makes it, it creates animosities, really, because people are don't like change. They like status quo. They don't they get scared, or they get timid or weak. Well, courage is in short supply. Is another saying. Both Teal use that expression too. But talent and skills are not what's in short supply. It's courage to act on them. To lead, and I have this challenge myself. I'm, I'm in a situation with a new opportunity, where there's a set role that you get hired for, and you definitely need to do that. And you need, and you have a boss. You need to do what needs to be done to make him look good and make him successful. And you have to trust that he's aligned where the organization's. You know, aligned in the organization such that his marching orders will be good for the whole. And then there's always, you know, in this case, with a startup, there's a lot of fits and a lot of hiccups along the way because stuff's not completely ironed out. It's not completely done. So you're having to, you're in a reactive mode is the nature of the beast. So you could, but the trouble is this, and this goes for any, new venture or new company. It's not exclusive to the one, the ones that I've worked for. It's that you can get so mired in firefighting mode and reacting that you don't, you forget to think big or use it even as an excuse not to think big and to lead and to take it where it's trying to go or where it needs to go for the sake of some greater good. And in this case, you know, I've assigned myself uh, a couple of objectives and I'm feeling I'm feeling out if, if they're in alignment with leadership and at the same time be sensitive to what leadership thinks is the objective and then you know not overlooking the daily grind that needs to take place to get good at what you are hired to do but that courage you know that that inner voice 
it's it's really hard to listen to that because you're afraid. You're afraid of getting batted down. You're afraid of getting told no. You're afraid of pissing somebody off. You're afraid of disrupting the hierarchy. You're afraid the fear creeps in, and then you don't. And you and then and then like Stephen Pressfield wrote in The War of Art, then you have a hard time really living with yourself because you've allowed resistance, and yet what he refers to as resistance, in this case fear or procrastination or excuses, to not do your art, to not do what you need to do. And in this case of mine, it's increasingly signals to lead. Like I'm doing this right now, this, this walking, this dictation walk, this podcast. I'm doing it not really to do a book review of Peter Thiel's Zero to One or do a book review of Emerson's The American Scholar or another book review of Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. And I'm not really trying to pick apart or analyze my role at work. What, what I'm really trying to do is get at the real art which is driving what what can what can this technology do that I've gotten myself involved with? What are the possibilities? What can it help humanity with? And with the writing project that I've been doing, the humanomics, and with its being the tip of the spear for a more broad eco-pragmatism movement, a political movement, that a that has nothing short of its aim of making life better economically for humanity and creating bandwidth so that we as individuals can have time to be better humans. You know, better health, better psychological states, better wisdom, better understanding, more time to invest, to learn and gain the valuable perspectives necessary to then do our art as individuals. And I'm not talking about art as a, you know, as a traditional sense of a painting or a movie or, or a piece of music. I'm talking about art technological development arts the art of developing new ways of doing things the art of of science of doing science the art of again making things into reality that did not exist before making them into reality not for the sake of doing them but for the sake of the greater good of humanity and that's what I've loosely called humanomics because I've defined baseline economic security in that project as the American middle class lifestyle equivalent for everyone and we, the reason is is because I think that through hundreds or thousands of years of economic development and history the typical aspirations of the American middle class people and being a single family home a private you know private safe dwellings with your reliable and free internet uh, free in, in terms of information no filter no no uh, firewall, just free flow of information and ideas, uh, and reliable, robust, non-environmentally destroying energy and utilities, you know, for heat and light and electricity, all of our electrical appliances. You know, humanomics assumes everybody needs, wants and needs private transports. Private transports assumes we have to have good infrastructure. Good infrastructure has to be properly maintained and swept and cleaned and manicured to be safe and to be beautiful to look at. It can't be what it is today. This dysfunction, because everybody's fighting over the same iterations of technology, same 
rinse. Same ways of doing things over and over and over again because that's the easy way to do it. It's easy for a talented, freshly minted Ivy League school grad to go work for a Wall Street bank. It's harder for that person to, you know, develop, you know, a sense of like humanomics or a larger, what's the point or what are we trying to do here? And then do some of the legwork and develop some of the technologies or do some of the science necessary to render, to bring that reality into, into view. Like, how do you, how would you build, you know, to, because, because the American middle class lifestyle basket of goods and services. Okay. Let me back up. You have all these line items in a typical budget, American middle class budget. And for purposes of this project, I've thrown in the kitchen sink, you know, private single family homes, all the utilities, like I mentioned, cars for, per, per driver. Not one car in a house. You know, if you're a husband and wife, kids, kids get two cars. So there's a payment there, right? You know, call it 500 a month. So a thousand a month for two vehicles plus the insurance. So other two, three hundred dollars a month. We got to shave zeros off that because if you shave zeros, now you can afford that basket of goods and services. You know, all, all the things in there: the dining out, the food, the having a good time, entertainment, travel budgets. Let's say a travel trip with my family, a weekend trip is 600 dollars. Can we get it to 60? That's going to be challenging. In some cases, it won't be possible. But most cases, because of where we're at in our science and technology, because we can identify what the targets are and where to direct research and development efforts, and because we can be reminded of what Peter Thiel is saying, which is to pull this out of thin air, to develop technologies that doesn't exist, exist. we can render to the market the reality of this lifestyle, this basket of goods and services with price points that have that zero shaved off. And why zero shaved off? Because conventional economics will argue with this all day long. Status quo market participants, invested interest groups, and governments will argue with this all day long. Why shave a zero? Because America has full employment. It's not perfect. It's deeply flawed in many ways. We have full employment. And the the market is generally paying, I'm calling it 15 bucks an hour. It's less than that in many cases, but call it $15 an hour. So you can't afford, when, when the lifestyle costs 150 which is what the numbers will, will, will extrapolate out to if you're saving for retirement and everything else. So 150000 But your wages are never going to be there. Most people don't make anywhere near that. But most people can easily go out and get the 15. So, obviously, laying out, laying bare what humans need and want, which is the quantification, you know, the quantification of human desires has never really been done before. We never really looked at it like that. And, and people will quickly say things like communism or not everybody's tastes are the same. Of course not. You know, I mean, when I say housing, safe individual housing, it doesn't have to be a colonial brick two-story house in the suburbs, it, could, it might be a condo for some people. It might be a home or a townhome for others. It might be a cool thing out in the woods for others. It, it could have many form factors. But the idea is you quantify the place to live. So you know, the challenge of an innovator would be, I, I, you know, if we could make $200, $250,000 houses all day long, can we make $25,000 houses? 
And I think you can. If you push the envelope on the materials, push the envelope on processes, push the envelope about how construction is done. Maybe it's not sub, uh, an array of subcontractors anymore. Maybe that doesn't make sense anymore. Maybe it's very specialized groups with kits. Maybe it's... tightly focused uh, teams that know they're in the business of rendering to market housing units that people can actually afford. So, getting off the subject, I'm getting back to the office, i got to go to work. The idea is, and Peter Thiel's trying to say it, is have a sensitivity about what the world needs. And then go out and, 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 and create one from zero. Create something from nothing. Don't just reiterate which is a one plus N, I think he called it, that's how he phrased it. Just doing the same old shit just looks different. Putting lipstick on a pig. Or taking the same pie and chopping it up differently. Taking the same pizza and cutting it in smaller squares instead of bigger chunks. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. Take it easy.